All right. Hello, everybody. want to welcome you to today's edition of Bible News Radio. And I want to welcome all of you out there who are new to the show. I want to thank you for coming by and stopping by here, our channel. Wherever you're at, whatever channel you're on, I ask that you go ahead and you hit subscribe, join us, and I get notified whenever we have a new show up. Also, don't forget, you can go over to BibleNewsRadio.com, sign up for my email. That really, truly is the best way to stay in touch with me is by signing up for our email. Because when I send out email, I send out information about every other area where we're doing ministry. And there's quite a few. We have some Bible studies going on. I have some Bible reading accountability groups going on. I have counseling going on, mentoring going on. Uh, We have this show. And of course, we have Pickleball Faith stuff. This is my, this is the review copy. And the first thing I want to do is, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody out there who has, um, who's, who's gotten my book. Believe it or not, and this is the truth, I haven't even really started doing publicity on this book yet. I know you think I have, but I actually haven't. I haven't done any interviews except for with Randall, which we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, but in a couple of days, actually a couple of weeks, I'm going to do my first TV interview about the book. And uh, Lord willing, we'll, be get, we'll get out there on some podcasts and different things. But if you have not gotten your copy yet, there is only, well, there are actually a couple ways you can get the book. <clears throat> You can get it through Amazon, of course. Uh, I did put up the Kindle version, so you can get the Kindle version through there if you want, or you can get it directly through our website, uh, BibleNewsRadio.com. Just click on the Pickleball Faith tab on the top of the site. It is now available in Nook, so if you happen to be a Nook reader, you can get it on that. And it will be available in a whole bunch of other um, you know, e-platforms. E- and I am going to be working on the audiobook. So if you want more of me, (laughs) then you'll just have to wait until I record the book. And I'll say pickleball faith, inspiration on and off the court. (laughs) And then I'll giggle and I'll go by me, your sweet and lovable host who's reading it. Um, Actually, though, I got to tell you something. Okay, so here's the deal. I have been waiting for my books from Amazon because some of you out there have told me you want me to sign a copy for you which to me feels weird to be honest with you but whatever a friend of mine told me to build a bridge and get over it and that's fine right so over three weeks ago well yeah it was February 1st I ordered a box of 100 books from Amazon and that book that box was supposed to show up this past week and it didn't show up. So I contacted Amazon and they're like, oh yeah, the, the order was canceled. And I'm like, but I didn't cancel the order. You know, I've been waiting for these books. I have like people at my local pickleball rec center waiting for me to bring books. Um, and and I've, I've been telling all my local friends, don't worry, you know, I, I mean, I'm collecting money and I'm getting ready to hand them <laughs> their book. Well, Amazon canceled my order they didn't really say why uh one guy suggested it was because it was out of stock which is stupid but amazon didn't even send me a email telling me that they canceled my order so i'm like and prior in the week on tuesday last week um they kicked me out of my account 
my seller's account for two days. I couldn't even get in because of suspicious activity, <laughs> which I was like, okay, I'm trying to get some reviewers. So I bought some e-copies to give away. You know, that's what you do when you're doing book publicity. <clears throat> anyway, so long story short, I had to reorder my books. And so the, the paperback copies of my book, Pickleball Faith, I won't get until the beginning of March. Okay, so here's the thing. We will have available on our website basically a way where you can pre-order the book from me if you really want it from me and you want me to sign it. That's the best way to do it. Plus, it will be cheaper for you to get it through my site. Um, unless you have Amazon Prime and you get free shipping, then just get it through Amazon. Either way, but I can't sign it if you get it through Amazon. But if you get it through me, I can sign it. Um, so I thought I'd let you know. I truly believe that um, God is doing something really cool with this book. I really do. And it cracks me up because it's really kind of the last thing I expected. Um, I, I, it's not that I didn't expect God to use it, but how it's being received and, and the different feedback I'm getting from people who have already read it. Um, and who are currently reading it and getting, you know, giving me feedback. Um, you know, it was really interesting. In fact, this morning I got uh, a message from a guy named Andrew Evans, who is, he calls himself the pickleball librarian. And he sent me this message. I'm just going to read it really fast. Uh, because those of you out there who watch TV, you will probably know this. And I didn't, I didn't know this, but he wrote me a message and he, let's see here. Uh, he wrote, um, I'm gonna, well, we had a long conversation. Um, I should probably have pulled this up beforehand, but it just cracked me up. Um, let's see, right, see, blah, blah. okay, he asked me, he said, I'm curious if you've ever watched the show Ted Lasso. I'm thinking if Ted Lasso wrote a book on pickleball, it would be a lot like yours. I love the way you write about how to treat people. And I'm like, nope, never. <laughs> I've never watched. I've never watched the show. And then he said, it is kind of like Dale Carnegie writing about pickleball, how to make friends and influence people. But then he sent me this graphic, um, which is of Ted Lasso, and it says here, uh, Ted Lasso's leadership lessons. It says number one, believe in yourself. Two, doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Three, all people are different people. Four, see good in others. Five, forgive first. Six, tell the truth. Seven, winning is an attitude. Eight, optimists do more. Nine, stay teachable. And 10, happiness is a choice. And in a lot of ways, that's really what my book is about. So Andrew is right on, you know, when he, he made that comparison. Although it does kind of make me laugh because, again, I, I had never, um, you know, I never thought about that, and I've had different people give me different feedback. So if you're reading the book, feel free to email me your feedback. Please write an a, a review on Amazon, even if it's something, like even if you don't give me five stars, I don't care. Just write a review on Amazon if you have the book um, and you like it. Well, if you don't like it, go ahead. You know, you can write a review too. <laughs> I don't care. There's I, I don't expect the whole world to like me. So, um, But anyway... All I have to say, if you can continue to be patient, eventually I will get the books. And um, 
in the meantime, if you, you want to get it off Amazon, you can. Quite a few people actually have, have done that. I wanted, though, to start out our show tonight, today talking, we are going to cover a couple of things. First of all, we're going to talk about some blood clotting because of the vaccine. We're talking about Bill Gates. We're going to talk about how the Chinese are rewriting the Bible and making Jesus a sinner uh, and some other stuff. But I wanted to start out reading God's word, which is something I always do. But the first thing I want to read first is from Hebrews. And I didn't give this to Randall because he, but I really wanted to share this with you because um, there's a couple of things prior to what I want to say that I want to say first. And that is in Hebrews chapter six, verse 10, it says this, it says, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. You know what? We live in very perilous times to say, you know, to be blunt about it. Um, And the reality is, is that if you're in Christ, Jesus is the anchor, right? He is your anchor. And you can learn about that if you read Hebrews chapter six, but also that verse too, is that, you know, sometimes when you're doing, you're doing God's work, you might not remember that God sees what you're doing and he will, he will reward you for what you're doing. So don't lose heart, right? Don't lose heart in doing good for in due time, you will reap if you don't grow weary. It might not be how you expect, but God knows he sees it. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. Now, this week I was reading Psalm 107, and uh, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to pull out a couple of things. This might take a couple of minutes, so if you want to get to the news section, fast forward 10 minutes in the video, (laughs) because this will probably take at least least 10 minutes for me to do. But Psalm 107 starts this way. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord speak out whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And, you know, I have to ask you, as somebody who's redeemed of the Lord, have you spoken out as um, having been redeemed from the enemy? This is actually one of the first things that stood out to me as I was reading this this week. Um, I know what what Christ has done for me. Um, I wrote a book about it. (laughs) But think about... If you're redeemed, don't ever forget what you're redeemed from. And this psalmist says, let the redeemed speak out, you know, whom he has redeemed from from the hand of the enemy. The enemy of your soul, the devil, uh, does not like it when we speak out and talk about what Christ has done for us, right? Um, He'll do anything he can to try to get us to not talk about it, including fellow believers who don't want you talking about God, right? So-called believers. Um, So I want to encourage you, one action point for this week. If you're a redeemed follower of Christ, speak out, speak out. Tell what he has done for you. And that's why I love this psalm. It says this in verse three, and gathered them from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness On a deserted path, they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them on a level road 
that they might go to a city to live in. Let them praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the people. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Some sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being prisoners in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and rejected the counsel of the Most High. That was another thing that stood out to me. <clears throat> you know what? How, how many people do you know who are afflicted? They're prisoners in their affliction and literally in irons, sometimes prison. They're on the, they're on the, the cusp of death. And, and it's because of their sin, because they have rebelled. It says here, they rebelled against the words of God, and they rejected the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their hearts with hard labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. By the way, I have to tell you, this is referring, obviously, to the Jews, to the Israelites. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke apart their bonds. Let them praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the people. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Some were fools because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities. They are afflicted. They loathed all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. That's the third time we've read that, by the way. He sent his word <clears throat> and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the people, and let them offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Some went down to the sea in ships to do business in the vast waters. They saw the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep water. I don't know about you, but I actually read about, when I read that, I was thinking about Jonah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that's who they're talking about there, but when I read it, I thought of that. And I also thought about the fish in the sea and, you know, and, and all the different things that God has done, um, you know, it's just amazing. And then it says, for he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the sea waves. The sailors went up to the sky. They came down to the depths. Their strength melted because of the great danger. They reeled to and fro and staggered like, like drunken men and were completely confused. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He made the storm calm and the sea waves we're still, and keep in mind this was written before Jesus was here, but Jesus also did the same thing, if you recall. <clears throat> they were glad because the waters were quiet, so he brought them to their desired harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the people. Let them exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into salty wasteland because of the wickedness of those living there. He turns the wilderness into pools of water and parched ground into springs of water. Okay, let's look at these couple verses here because this is really what blew me away as I was thinking about this. <clears throat> the Lord that we serve the God of the heavens of the earth who created you and me, who knew us before we were created. 
he turns rivers into a desert, right? And then it says water springs into dry ground. Um, you know, if you look at Israel, it used to be this desert, right? Just a flat out desert, deserted des- desert. And yet it's plentiful because <laughs> of what he did. This is a fruitful land. He turned into a salty wasteland because of the wickedness of those living there, right? He turns a wilderness into pools of water and parched ground into springs of water. It's kind of the same thing there. Um, and then it says here, um, he turns, well, there he makes the hungry dwell and they prepare a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and yield a fruitful harvest. He blesses them so that they are greatly multiplied, multiplied, and he does not let their livestock decrease. I, I was telling Randall earlier this week about this verse. I was, or maybe it was him. I don't know. I talked to a lot of people, but, but this verse stood out to me because I thought, wow, he does not let their livestock decrease. Now, you guys, look, this was written in, this is the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they had the Levitical law. They, they offered up sacrifices of livestock. That's part of what they had to do. Um, every time they offer up a living animal, you know, it's dead. You know, they kill it. They offer it up. <laughs> you know, they have to wait for another one to be born. They got to wait for it to grow up a little, and then they kill it. Um, and so they were constantly offering up these can- these these uh, cows and bulls and goats and you know all these different things. And yet here it says he blesses them so that they're greatly multiplied, and he does not let their livestock decrease. That says something, uh, because in some of these cases there was hundreds of animals that they would be offering up all the time on behalf of the the people, and yet. God wasn't letting their livestock decrease, which means there was plenty of animals there. Apparently, they kept giving birth and growing and growing, and it wasn't like they were like, there they were. They, they, they weren't decreasing. So I think that's important to think about. And then it says, but then, but when they are diminished and brought down through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, He pours contempt upon princes and causes them to wander in a wilderness with no road. Yet he raises up the poor from affliction and cares for their families like flocks of sheep. The righteous shall see it and rejoice and all evil people shall stop their mouth. Whoever is wise, let him observe these things. Let them consider the loving kindness of the Lord. And I really totally want you all to consider reading Psalm 107 for yourself and really just going through it and, and meditate on what this psalmist wrote. It's one of the cool things about reading Psalms is that in some cases you get the history of what he did prior uh, and the remembrance of that. And you know what? The older I get, the more, the more I totally wish that I had written my prayers down and I had kept journals throughout my life because I know I have forgotten things that God has done for me. Um, and yet, you know, um, I have to do what he says here. I have to 
be a redeemed person that speaks about what God has done for me. And then I always have to remember that, you know, he is a God when it looks like there isn't any way, he's going to make a way, you know, we're living in perilous times. And there's a lot of people who are, who are, um, kind of hip to hip with fear, right? I mean, and look, I'm not going to lie to you. I struggle with anxiety constantly. Uh, and you know, I'm working through my issues with that. But what I will say is that it, it's better. <laughs> my anxiety is better than it used to, to be, but we live in perilous times, you know, but when I really stop and think about what God has written and how he can do these things, we, we really don't have anything to fear. So I have to tell you that um, the more you set your mind on things above, the more you meditate on God's word, the more peace you will have. Just so you know, and Bareface, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, no, no, I am. No? <laughs> uh, just amen. Okay. All right. So the other thing, too, I want to let you know, in case you don't, is that we have started a Heart Tug Fellowship on Sunday morning. Randall is doing this great teaching through the Old Testament, um, revealing the New Testament and the Old Testament. This morning, he, he taught on the Lamb of God. It was so good. And so, hey, those of you who don't go to church, if you want to join us on Zoom on Sunday morning, make sure you sign up for our email so you can get the link and join us directly, okay? All right. Let's look at what China's doing. China, 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 China. Okay, this is, this is from the CBN.com. The communist China is reportedly rewriting the Bible and calling Jesus a sinner, sinner but that's not all. Uh, Billy Hollowell from Faithwire contributed this. This is his article. Um, I'm just going to read it because it's pretty clear. It says here, the Chinese Communist Party, China's ruling regime, has been on a mission to rewrite the Bible through a communist lens. Yeah, it has. This quest has reportedly resulted in shocking distortions of scripture and gospel truth. Todd Nettleton, by the way, I know both these guys. I know Billy. I know Todd. Todd Nettleton, the spokesman for the Voice of the Martyrs, a persecution watchdog serving Christians across the globe, uh, told Faithwire about the Chinese government's ongoing efforts to reimagine the Bible. Quote, This is a project that the Chinese Communist Party announced in 2019. At the time, they said it would be about a 10-year process, ellipsis, to release a new translation of the Bible. He said, noting it would include Confucian and Buddhist principles, among others. Quote, this new translation, ellipsis, would really support the Communist Party. By the way, I'm saying ellipsis on purpose because I'm reading a quote and there's a lot of stuff missing between these words. I don't know what they're saying, so I just want you to know I'm reading what's on there. And there's an ellipsis for those of you who, who care. Um, and it says here, a shocking example of a, re, a Bible rewrite. VOM recently shared a reimagined version of the Bible's revered story centered on Jesus' love and corrective compassion for a woman caught in adultery. The Chinese Communist Party announced plans to update the Bible to, quote, keep pace with the times. So um, important. Um, right. The revisions will include adding core socialist values and removing passages that do not reflect communist beliefs. A VOM Facebook post read, 
In a textbook for high school students released in September 2020, the authors included a passage from John 8 as revised in their new version. Before we explore the revised communist version, let's look at John 8 as it stands in the genuine and authentic Bible. As the famous forgiveness story goes, the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery before them and challenged Jesus, proclaiming, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? The Bible notes that these Jewish leaders were, quote, using this question as a trap to accuse Jesus. Still, Christ started writing on the ground with his finger. It's a mystery what he was writing, and then uttered some transformational words, verse 7, quote, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her, unquote. After the people, clearly shaken by Jesus' words, walked away, Christ and the women, woman, were left standing together, and their exchange went as follows. This is the NIV version. Jesus said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Woman, no one, sir, in Christ, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And by the way, just as an addendum to that, um, usually people forget that part when they share the story. <laughs> you know, Jesus says, go and sin no more. But, you know, people who misread scripture and like to make it say what they want, they always forget that part about not going and sinning anymore. Just, you know, Um Anyway, article says the Chinese Communist Party, though reportedly has a different version for how this interaction unfolded, an anti-biblical foe account. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> that flies in the face of scriptural truth. In the Chinese government's new version, purportedly observed in a textbook published in September 2020, the crowd disperses and then the text states, when everyone went out, Jesus stoned the woman himself and said, I am also a sinner. Why, in, why is China rewriting the Bible? The transformed language directly aims at Jesus' divinity, something Nettleton said is quite shocking. In one sense, it's just like so arrogant to think, I'm going to rewrite the story of Jesus ellipsis, but then you think about denying the deity of Christ, he said. If Jesus is a sinner then he's not God. For anyone wondering why the Chinese Communist Party would take such troubling steps to try and diminish the gospel, Nettleton said it has everything to do with control, which obviously, people, this is not rocket scientists. I mean, anybody who tries to mess with the scripture uh, clearly wants to be God, or they're making God in their own image. Um, and, of course, they're trying to be controlling. Um, and Todd Nettleton said, and they see see the ellipsis, Christian message is something that would take control away from the Communist Party. Which is why the church is underground in China. Hello! Uh, by the way, anywhere the church is underground in any of these countries, it's because the government is wicked. Okay? And what I will tell you, from what I know, having written for the Voice of the Martyrs for eight years, um, and, and having known Todd for a long time, is that if you have a government that is persecuting Christians, then, of course, they're going to do whatever they can to ban the Bible, and the, the, the church is going to go underground. China can be brought, you know, can literally be brought down like that. Because I tell you what, the second 
the church is raptured, and it could be today or any other day, China's gone down because the, the, the underground church in China is massive. It's huge. It's one of the biggest churches in the world. And, you know, the arrogance of the dictators in China think that they're all that in a bag of chips, but the rapture could take place and China would be decimated, just like America, pretty much. Um, anyway, article goes on to say, rather than citizens waking up and pledging allegiance to a loving God and pondering ways to serve Jesus, Nettleton said the government's goal is for Chinese nationals to wake up every day and say, how can I serve the party today? How can I be a good communist today? <laughs> Uh, it says here, a much broader persecution problem. While bombastic and troubling, the rewrite of the Bible is just part of the Chinese government's ongoing attempts to crack down on the Christian faith. The nation's three self-patriotic movement is a Protestant denomination controlled by and registered with the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, and I've talked a lot about that. I mean, basically what they do is they, first of all, Amityville Press is the largest Bible printing press in the world, and it's in China. They print Bibles, right, there, and they give them to the three self-patriotic movement church, but that church is told by the government what they can and cannot say from the Bible. So, just so you know. And it says here, the officially sanctioned Protestant Church of China has always tried tried to kind of co-op Christianity and use it for communist purposes, but they, even in recent years, have taken that a step further. He said images of Jesus have been taken down inside churches and have in some cases been replaced with the pictures of Chinese president, whatever his name is. Christian hymns, too, have been replaced with Communist Party anthems. And also, a lot of the crosses have been ripped off the Chinese churches as well as in other na nations as well. Um, it says here, the new Bible translation, it seems, is just another step toward anti-biblical anarchy within the Chinese Communist Party ranks. This new socialist translation of the Bible is just another step for the Chinese Communist Party as they try to control the church and really co-op Christianity as a means of controlling the people and helping them serve the party's interests. The new Bible version becomes even more troubling when one considers it could become the only officially available version of scripture in the strictly controlled government-run church system. Randall, you want to comment on that, or what do you think? Because there's a lot. I mean, I could say a lot more about that. Well, uh, sure, there's, there, there's nothing new under the sun. No. That we can go back to the Middle Ages and the reason why, uh, you know, Wycliffe, Tyndale, and so many others were martyred is because they were trying to put the scriptures into the hands of the people and the language of the people. And it had been for a period controlled by the government, ultimately. Um, it was the, um, well, at first, you know, the scriptures being uh, distributed quite rapidly, thousands of copies through the early church and the first and second centuries. And then it got so out of hand, the Roman government, you know, besides, you know, with Nero's persecutions and all that, um, that eventually under, oh, come on, um, Constantine, golly, 
middle-aged moment there. You know, uh, you are you're, you are getting old. Yeah, yeah, you are. You know, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman government. It's like, well, we can't stop the growth of this thing. Right. You know, in order to stay in control, well, we'll make, you know, uh, it, the official religion of the government, basically. And then, but then, you know, then gave the birth of the Holy Roman Empire, which was not holy. And the scriptures were put into the control of, of you know, the, the elites and the and the church and the government that were in bed together, and why? Because they had control over the people. And then we see all these sorts of things come down through Roman Catholicism, the Roman Catholic Church that weren't biblical at all, and these right. things that subjugated people in terms of purgatory and and giving, um, you know, giving. <laughs> We have a dog that, you know, just wanted to get on Randall's lap Laughing. right now. And this so I did my best to <laughs> continue without interrupting. Um, right. But now he's in my lap all as well. <laughs> um, and uh, passing gas, too. Oh, nice. Great. Um, so. Good thing we can't smell it, can we? If, speak for yourself. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway, we can go all the way through the, the history of the church, whether it's in the, the Middle East, in Middle Ages, whatever, and there's been this trying to control the Bible, either keep it out of people's hands, as ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, if they can't do that, now rewrite it or whatever it is, because wherever the gospel has gone, it's resulted in freedom. Right. And I'd love to go into the uh, speech that the, we heard from the attorney uh, oh, yeah. several weeks ago. But That's a great message. Yeah, but that there is no freedom without Christ, ultimately. And uh, if, if you want to be in charge, you want to control people, you have to get rid of the Bible. You have to get rid of Christ, ultimately. Or you got to twist the Bible. Yeah, if yeah, if you can't do that, and that was the case with the the Roman government under Constantine starting there. It's like when it became the official religion of the Roman Empire, then they started twisting things and anyway. Yeah. Back to you. Back to me. It's back to me. All right, anyway, so um <clears throat> I could talk a lot about this. If you're new, one of the things I did was I wrote about Christian persecution for about eight years every day. So I know a little bit about it. Um, you know, and if you really want to read uh, what martyrs have gone through, the, then I recommend the book, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a, um, you know, it will give you an idea of, you know, what, what martyrs have gone through. Um, and by the way, in case you're not aware, we live in history today where there's more martyrs for Christ than there, there ever has been in the history of the world. And I know that some of you might find that very hard to believe, but it's true. It's just not reported because, you know, we wouldn't want to do that. By the way, the word martyr literally means witness. And so, um, you know, if you're a Christian here, I'm going to just say this, and, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes out there, but... It blows me away today how many people I hear, I actually hear, and I get yelled at sometimes from people, 
you know, and say, well, you need to keep your religion to yourself. You need to, you know, go home and just, you know, keep, read your Bible in secret. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> in fact, I will tell you, this is an interesting thing. It ties, kind, kind of ties in. Earlier this week, I had, um, I went into a face a pickleball Facebook group and I asked if I, I asked the admin of a group, by the way, this is just ad- etiquette, you know, you don't go into somebody's Facebook group and then plaster an ad all over it. Ask permission, right? I mean, be smart about it. So I asked the admin, there's about 6,000 people in this Facebook group. So I, I messaged the admin of the group, the person who owns the group who started it. And I said, hey, I have this book called Pickleball Faith. Um, do you mind if I, I post about it so I can get some review viewers? And it turned out the guy had a, the, a theology degree and he said, no, 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 go, go for it. So I got his permission. Um, and anyway, I started getting some responses, but there were two responses in particular that stood out. One was a guy that got mad and he said, I can't believe the admin allowed you to put this in here. I'm going to leave this group because of that. And I responded, that says a lot about you, you know, says a lot about you that you just see pickleball faith and you just want to flee the group, you know, because you didn't think that it was worthy of being in there. Another guy decided to uh, be antagonistic, just like, you know, the religious leaders of Jesus's day and asked me the question, what's the difference between a liberal Christian and a conservative Christian? I mean, you talk about a question to open up a can of worms, right? And I prayed about it. And I was like, Lord, only a liberal would ask that question. A conservative never would, number one. So that, that was a dead giveaway. Number two, I, I prayed about it. And I was like, Lord, how do I answer this question? Because I know this guy, um, you know, I looked at his profile and stuff. And I could say a lot about that. But it was clear he was very liberal. Um, so I responded the next day after thinking through it, and I had a lot of thoughts go through my mind. And I I said to the guy, in love, I said, look, I think you already know what the difference is. And here is the difference, by the way. I'll just spell it out for you. The biggest difference between a liberal Christian and a conservative Christian is how they view God's word. Most liberal Christians don't take God's word literally and take it at face value the way it should be. They don't believe it's complete, absolute truth. Most conservatives do. Um, And when it comes to moral issues, conservatives conservatives take it extremely literally the way it should be, and most liberals don't. That's why we have these factions in the church regarding abortion and homosexuality in particular, right? But I'm not going to get into that debate with this guy in this group. So I said to him, I said, I think you already know the difference. So this is the question I would ask you because this is what Jesus asked his disciples. And that question is, who do you say that I am? This man, it was a man, responded back, oh, I see you like to answer questions with a question. And I responded back, did I do that? And he dropped it. He dropped it. And I'll tell you why he dropped it. (laughs) Because he knew that After my answer, he knew he wasn't going to be able to bait me, number one. And number two, he knew that if he actually answered that question, he would be required to answer the question that Jesus asks of all of us. Who do you say that I am? That is the most important question. And when Jesus asked his disciples that question, 
um, you know, in particular, he was talking to Peter, you know, and Peter, you know, responded, you know, you are the Christ. In other words, Peter was saying, you are the Messiah. You are the one that we've been waiting for. Right. And so it's like, that is the question. That is the question. Any debate, any walk with God that you ever want to have, and you talk a you, you talk to anybody about apologetics in any way, find out who they say Jesus is. Because if they tell you, oh, he was just a good man, then they're denying who he is. He's, he's God. <laughs> you know, the deity of Christ, he is he's God. Jesus is God. He's the real God. He's not the fake God that people, you know, think that, you know, that they serve. Um. <clears throat> That's why that guy didn't want to answer the question, basically. Anyway, that was free. Moving on, um, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on with the the jab, the vaccine, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's a lot of people out there um, who who are not looking at research, and they're not even they don't want to look at the truth. And basically, what I'm gonna what I'm about to say was actually. You know, I got the warning on Facebook, and yet I'm quoting Pfizer, okay? <laughs> so I guess Facebook needs to, the World Health Organization needs to, like, check out Pfizer's actual words. The, the people that manufactured right. the vaccine. Exactly. So this was written by Jim Hoft, who is a author over on Gateway Pundit. And um, the title of this is, Everyone is at Risk for Blood Clots. CDC, you know, Center for Disease Control, and Pfizer issue urgent warnings on blood clots, even in the, quote, healthiest athletes. Now, just so you know, this was written uh, February 19th, okay, so yesterday, and I have to tell you that, um, you know, (laughs) how do I say this? I have to tell you that, yes, everybody can get a blood clot. I mean, it's possible, right? But this is tied to the vaccine. So let's just read it. It says here, both CDC and Pfizer have recently issued a public warning about, quote, blood clots, unquote. And that's in quotes for some reason. Last February 10th, the CDC issued a warning normalizing the idea that young adults and healthy athletes develop blood clots. Of course, no one has ever heard of this frequent phenomenon before the COVID vaccines. Quote, hashtag DYK, do you know that anyone can develop a blood clot, whether you're an athlete or a fan, don't let a blood clot ruin the big game this weekend. Learn how to protect your health. And then there's a link the CDC tweeted out. Uh, And then it says, trending, everyone is at risk for blood clots. CDC and Pfizer issue urgent warnings on blood clots, even in the healthiest athletes. And then you can see the quote here. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? Okay, you're scrolling up. So, yeah. So the actual tweet that was there, it's on at CDCGov. If you want to follow the Center for Disease Control on Twitter, it's at CDC.gov. And then it says here, um, the best offense is a good defense. Everyone is at risk for blood clots. Even the healthiest athletes get blood clots. So it's important for everyone to know the warning signs and how to decrease their risk. If you have any symptoms, see your doctor as soon as possible. And then it says here, the CDC failed to mention on their website the COVID-19 vaccines as one of the factors that can increase this risk. So 
if you're watching the video of our show, you can see this graphic. If you're listening to the audio, the graphic says everyone is at risk. Some factors can increase this risk. Hospitalization and surgery, 50%. Being immobile, uh, other risk factors are older age, overweight or obese, family history of BTE. I don't even know what that is. Recent or reoccurring cancer, um, estrogen-based medicines such as hormonal birth control or hormone replacement therapy, injury, and trauma. And then it says here, last year, a stunning new study that was conducted by researchers from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. Was that Bill Jones University and uh, their campus newspaper? Right. No, Mayo Clinic and the Journal of American Medical Association. Yeah. Go JAMA. on. Okay. Has concluded that the Johnson and Johnson COVID vaccine increases the risk of developing a rare and deadly blood clotting condition in the brain. A study by Oxford University early last year also revealed that the number of people who develop blood clots after getting vaccinated was about the same for those who get Pfizer and Moderna vaccines as they are for the AstraZeneca, MarketWatch reported. Following CDC's caution, Pfizer has issued a public warning about, quote, deep vein thrombosis or blood clots in the vein on February 14th. And it says here, deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot in a deep vein can travel to the lungs, leading to a pulmonary embolism. Symptoms of PE include difficulty breathing and chest pain. Contact your doctor if experiencing symptoms. This is no time to wait. Pfizer tweeted out. And that's it. Okay, now, hopefully I don't get banned for saying this, but if you watch Billy Crone, you know, Pastor Billy Crone, who I've recommended you watch, he's been doing these COVID-19 updates, and so has J.D. Farag, Pastor J.D. Farag. Both those guys, highly recommend you watch them. Um, They're not kooky people. They're biblical, uh, but they know what they're talking about. They're they're reading all the research, right? And the more you get vaccinated, like those of you out there who I'd love and adore, and some of you, I fear, I truly do fear for you because I I mean, some of, some of my closest friends have gotten the vaccine plus three booster shots. And I'm like, cause the more I learn about this, the more I go, man, you have just like, it's like the nail is here in the coffin, you know? Oh, another one like two or three times in and pretty soon you're going to be dead uh, because you're going to get blood clotting. And that's, that's how this thing is, is panning out for lots of people. I know I'm a conspiracy theorist. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Right along with the researchers at the Mayo Clinic. And- <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no, what I am is concerned um, uh, because this vaccine uh, frankly, I think it's done more harm than good. Um, and mRNA therapy. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I have a good friend who has severe asthma. She's been vaccinated three times and I'm just like, going, I, I hope you live to 60, you know, in my mind. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't know. Anyway, Randall, I know you kind of agree with me, so let's move on to the next story. (laughs) Bill Gates, you know, the guy that developed Microsoft and, you know, 
Um, he says COVID risks have dramatically reduced, but another pandemic is coming. Now let's remember, let's rem, rem, remind you who Bill Gates is, right? Bill Gates believes that we should reduce the world's population. He does. It's been stated. He said it. He's out. He's been out there recently talking about how well he never said it, and it's been taken out of context. How he said it, blah 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 blah. The reality is, is he said it, and he's one of these people that you know is behind this whole vaccine thing. Um, yes, and he plays pickleball. And a, and a couple of years ago, was involved in heading up this this event that uh, right. Yeah, that uh, stage what the world would do in a pandemic. I guess he's somewhat of a prophet, anyway. Right, right. And he's prophesying <laughs> again. His last, his last prophecy about a worldwide pandemic coming very soon yes. was, was spot on. But, right. Uh, <laughs> I, we covered this, right? I, I know. I know. But now there's uh, another one. Well, it says here. Uh, Bill Gates told CNBC Friday that the risks of severe disease from COVID-19 have dramatically reduced, but another pandemic is all but, all but certain. Speaking at Germany's annual Munich uh, security conference, Gates said that a potential new pandemic would likely stem from a different pathogen, and advances in medical technology could cut vaccine production times to six months, Gates added. Okay, so... Um, I'm, I don't really need to read anything because that's basically the, the highlights of this or of this article. So they're telling you already, you know, the elite, he's an elite, you know, he's part of the wealthy elite in the world, um, who mocks and points his finger at God and basically spits in God's face and, and thinks that he is God in some ways. And, um, yeah. So... What do you say? Uh, all but certain, another pandemic is coming, so we should do everything we can about prevention, right? No. Medical technology could cut vaccine production time to six months. So what we need to do is produce more vaccines faster. It's money. That's how we're going to deal with it's it. It's about the money, people. It's and about the money reducing the world's population and... Killing you as fast as possible. <clears throat> okay, now, look. Those of you who are new to the show and you came here because of my book, now you think I'm nuts, right? Well, um, okay. I am still sweet and lovable. But this next clip that Randall's going to show you, um, this is interesting, okay? So we're talking about vaccine passports before. We're talking about how how you're going to get chipped, right? You know, everybody's talking about the mark of the beast and, and you know, how ultimately in the end, in Revelation, chapter 13, you can read the book of Revelation, but it's in chapter 13. The number of the beast is 666. People need to get chips in their hand or their forehead so that they can buy and sell. They're already implementing this, right? Let's look at Canada. You know, there's been this big, convoy of truckers out there trying to get their freedom in Canada and their dictatorship over there um, has basically lost their mind. But with that said, this clip that we're going to show you is it was pretty popular over on Twitter as of the time of us playing this. It has almost 187,000 views on it. So it's almost a quarter of a million people have seen this clip, at least from this particular feed. It's probably got more. 
Um, and this is a guy from Germany, right, Randall? Oh, Klaus Schwab? Yeah. Heading up the uh, uh, World Economic Forum? Yeah. Or is the, yeah. So part of the elite, okay, part of the elite, the people who want to kill us all. <laughs> I know, I'm laughing because you're, you're like, you're crazy. No, I'm not. <laughs> Listen to this. With, just watch this clip. And you'll have to read the subheadings. Um, unfortunately, you won't be able to hear him speak English very well because he doesn't. So well, he speaks he, French quite well for right, a German. Speak, yeah. So, um, but yeah, go ahead. You can play that. Let's see if I can get this louder. We'll back this up. Okay. Aujourd'hui, au bout de ça, on parle de puces qu'on pourra s'implanter. Ce sera quand ça Certainement dans les dix années à venir. Et d'abord, on va les implanter dans nos vêtements, oh, you know c'est-à-dire wearables, comme on le dit. Et après, on pourrait s'imaginer. Okay, so just so you guys know, go ahead, back it up. <clears throat> just mute it. Just mute the thing, and then I'll read what they're saying. Just because. It's in a different language. I'll just read the subtitles, and then you'll understand, you know, why this is important. Because unless you're watching this, if you're on the podcast, you're not going to be able to, to see this. Are you saying that our listeners are non-French speaking? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I'll just read the subtitles. I'll try to. Je ne parle pas un peu. Je ne parle un now, je ne parle pas mot de français. Anyway. Ça? All right. Okay. <clears throat> Rusty, obviously. Okay. Okay. Today, at the end of this, we are talking about chips that can be implanted. When will that be? Certainly in the next 10 years. And at first, we will implant them in our clothes. And then we could imagine that we will implant them in our brains or in our skin. And in the end, maybe there will be a direct communication between our brain and the digital world. What we see is a kind of fusion of the physical, digital, and biological world. We call someone, we don't even have the reflex to take device. It's done naturally. The technique continues the, yes, you talk and you say, I want to be connected with anyone now. And first you have the personalized bots. And I saw that Mr. Z predicted that at the end of the year, he will have his robot. Robot. Is that Zuckerberg or somebody? I don't know. Yeah. His personalized butler that is at his disposal. Like in Downton Abbey, we will have our personal robot butler, our servant. Yes, but there is a difference. It is a servant that with artificial intelligence learns and that is not only your assistant for manual work. But that can really be an intellectual partner of yours, I guess is what it says. Yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> so you got the world elite talking about chipping you, chipping people. You know, um, you have Bill Gates, who's part of the world elite, telling people there's going to be another pandemic. We already know this. We have the Chinese rewriting the word of God, 
thinking that they are God because, you know, they don't like the fact that Jesus is God. Um, you know, we have Canada, basically, and there's a revolt happening in Canada because those who want freedom are trying to stand up to their dictatorships now and their socialist communist government there in Canada where they're trying to destroy the, the, the country. And it's coming to America. I mean, you know, it... I know you don't want to look at it, but it, it's true. It's going to happen here in America. Have you guys noticed that gas prices have gone up? Have you noticed food prices have gone up? Have you noticed, at Randall and I, we've noticed this. Have you noticed when you go certain places, like to uh, your favorite fast food place, your drive-thru, or, or anywhere you're trying to get something that sometimes they're out and they don't have it? Have you noticed that? I mean, even ordering stuff on Amazon, have you noticed that sometimes it takes a lot longer to get it? I've been waiting for a bird feeder for, for almost two years. And um, I, that I ordered on Kickstart. And it's because the ships are at the port in, in California. Or offshore. Offshore. And my little bird feeder is on one of those things. You know, I mean, um, it's by design. It's all by it's all by design. And you know, and I don't, you know, I'm I don't know everything. I don't know even remotely close to anything, really. But what I do know for sure without any doubt whatsoever is that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that God's word, the Holy Bible is the truth of all mankind and that the what is written in the Bible is absolute truth and will all come to pass. And it, so if you're reading God's word, you look at what's happening in the world and you can be encouraged because it's just all falling into place. It, it is. And I will tell you, Randall and I, um, you know, I, I will I will tell you transparently that Randall and I, we've been having a lot of spiritual warfare dreams. Um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, actually I was talking to my therapist. This is, I, I was talking to my therapist this week, right? Yes. I go to therapy and I'm not embarrassed by that because frankly, I think everybody should go if you get a good therapist. Well, I have a great therapist. She's probably one of the best in the country, in my opinion, probably the world. Um, <clears throat> definitely in my world, but my therapist is a Holy Spirit filled woman. I mean, she knows the word and she knows the Lord and she's got the spiritual gifts. And one of those gifts is, um, is, is prayer. I mean, she's definitely a prayer warrior. Um, and you know, I'm dealing with some stuff, uh, tied to grief and everything, but you know, I told her, I said, I gotta tell you some dreams I've been having. And I've had these dreams. I've been having these weird dreams. Um, and they have been like, consistent especially over the past year um and this past week i went in i was telling her about some of the dreams and one of the dreams that i had and i can't remember if i shared it here on the show or not but <clears throat> um it was black and white it was a black and white dream and um i was walking in a familiar area i won't say where it doesn't matter um but there was a young child coming toward me and i heard the lord say that I've given you power and authority to cast out demons in my name. And this evil looking child was walking toward me and I heard that and I did. I cast out demons in 
Jesus's name. And that little child was delivered. But, but as I'm walking through this dream, it's this spiritual battle and the the word that God gave me, it was right from God's word. It's in the gospel of Mark. It says, do not rejoice that you can do this, that you can cast out these demons in my name, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Right? So I'm sharing this with my therapist. <clears throat> and anyway, a couple of things were said. I shared another dream kind of tied into this. And, and one of the things that she said, she said, the Lord's giving you there, there's spiritual warfare dreams. So he's trying to warn you about certain things. And one of the things that she said, I thought was very interesting. And I think it's key. Pay attention to this. She said, God is showing you that sometimes things look innocent, but they really aren't. I'm like, I've been thinking about that. I was thinking, hmm, you know, could it be that the vaccine looks super innocent? But it's not. You know, could it be that, um, you know, what is happening in your church, maybe, or your lack of spiritual hunger or whatever, it might seem innocent that you're stepping back or maybe that you aren't getting engaged or something, but it's really not, right? I can tell you Bible reading will change your life. Studying the Bible even more will revolutionize your, your life. I mean, Randall and I, um, I don't know, Randall, you can come back on screen. And I know, I think our time is getting close to be up, right? But I will tell you in the last year, since I've been totally committed to reading the word of God every day, that almost in the last three months in particular, that all of a sudden, it's like, pfft, I'm reading God's word. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, it's like, I'm seeing all this stuff. Like I've yeah. never, I've never seen before me and you this morning in our little uh, heart tug fellowship, little you, you're, you're, it was us. Nobody showed up, <laughs> but you know what? Hey, I don't care. Um, what you shared was just like, I'm like, whoa, I've never, I, you know, and me and you are like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> you know, just see all this stuff. It's like, whoa. Uh, um, it, it Much was, of it new to me as well. Unlike last yeah, week, you know, the right. Galatians 4 about uh, born of a woman, the fullness of time God sent forth the son, born of a woman. Yeah. It's just amazing and to me. stuff that we lose in translation. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts about like the spiritual warfare type dreams and stuff? I mean, because you've, you've been having them like yeah. I have. And I mean... Well, anyway, I can just go ahead. Yeah, you can talk. <laughs> well, yeah, we're over an hour, but... it's um, all right. But an hour and three minutes into this. Oh, um, not too bad. Not too bad. But, um, yeah, there's, there's something going down. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, God in various times, you know, times past, well, in times past spoke to us in various and sundry ways, you know found in translation uh, to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days has spoken us to us by his, through his son, son by right. his son, whatever, that the initiation, the inauguration of the new covenant, uh, the new Testament, if you will. And I don't mean the documents. I don't mean the, whatever the 47 books that are right. No, 39, 39 new Testament, whatever. I don't know. Yes. I know that there are 24 in the Hebrew scriptures. They're divided up into more in Protestant Bibles, the Hebrew scriptures, but as they are, 
the Tanakh is 24 books. Anyway, uh, okay. sad that I know that more than the New Testament. Anyway. Um, Aren't there 39 books in the Old Testament, though? I guess so. There's a total of 66. In total. Our, our so take 66 body. minus 39, and that's how many is in the New Testament. Right. So You've been quizzed, people. Yeah, 27. Okay. Right. <laughs> anyway, 27 <laughs> books. I can do math, really. Uh, anyway, when I say... The, anyway, the whole point was... With the inauguration of the New Testament, I don't mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean the new covenant of Jeremiah chapter 31. Right. You know, I will make a new covenant, declares the Lord, in those days, which was inaugurated with the arrival of Messiah. Um, so that brought in the last days, because that's this the final, it's the new covenant, which is the last covenant which is why the writer of Hebrews was able to write that in these last days, God has spoken as to by his son. So that, that began the inauguration of the new covenant started the countdown and we're nearly 2000, not more than 2000 people, more than 2000. This is 2022. Okay. Yeshua, Jesus was probably born between 4 and 6 B.C. Right, and that's where most people get this wrong, too, because they say he was born in 0 B.C. or 1 B.C. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Well, as we do the right. math, because yeah, anyway. calendars have been a mess for a long time. But we're close. That's yeah, but we're close. Line. Anyway, so, so assuming he was, you know, approximately 33 years old when he went to the cross, that would have been approximately AD 30. We're now at 2032. We're not quite at 2000 years, almost 2000 years. So anyway, nearly 2000 years since the new covenant was inaugurated. And so if, if the writer of Hebrews was able to say then in these last days, then these, these must be the last of the last days, whether there are a thousand years ahead of us or a hundred years ahead of us or 10 years ahead of us. I don't know. But with the things that we've got, just just the things we've related today, uh, scratching the surface of, and as right as you related earlier, just in the in the twentieth century, I don't know what's going on now, the latest totals, but the the twentieth century. Uh, there are more people who died for their faith. There are more Christian martyrs than all centuries combined um, that uh, the forces of evil are coming out like, and it's, it used to be kind of under the radar kind of thing. And you kind of had to know. And now it's just, the stuff is so blatant anymore. And it's been getting that way. It's been growing. The, the allegiance to devil worship is, yeah. is, is just proclaimed now and it's not just the fringe you know nope. the weirdos no i mean which, witchcraft is is totally it's huge, huge. I was, I was, it's an industry now well not only that but it's it's always good witches you ever notice that it's, oh yeah it's a, of course i was in two network meetings last year literally two online right networking meetings with two witches in the room they declared it they put up their powerpoint I am a witch. <laughs> they, I, I actually took a screenshot of it. <laughs> I shared it with some people because I'm like, okay. You know, and people are like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, no. And this is why I will end the show this way. 
unless you have anything else you want to add. No, just talking about, you know, if there if there were ever a post-Christian culture, I mean, it's more so than ever. Um, but I'm not saying that there are no Christians left. There is a strong remnant that that remains. Of course, it's called remnant. <laughs> there is a strong remnant. And, uh, and um, yeah. So, but, and, and God wins, read the book. There's going to be a whole lot of hell unleashed and days and years to come. Uh, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. All right. I'll let you close. I'll let you close it up. Okay. So I'm going to close this up by, by saying a few things. Um, number one, who do you say that Jesus is? Okay. If you cannot say confidently the right answer to that, then I want to encourage you to call on his name and figure out who he is because um, God's spirit will reveal to you who Christ is, right? Who you say Jesus is will determine who you're going to spend eternity with, right? I mean, you're either going to go to heaven because you know who Jesus is or you're going to go to hell because you've rejected who he is. That is the most important question every ever uttered in the history of the world, in my opinion. Who do you say that I am? That is the truth. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, if you're following Christ, if you're in communion with Christ, if you're abiding with Christ, one surefire way you could do that is by being in the word of God, just read it. I'm not saying you even have to study it. Just pick it up and read it. I was reading a Facebook post this morning from somebody who's kind of a baby believer. Um, and, and I know what the point is they're trying to make, but they, they basically said that God sucker punched them in the face. And I'm like, gently corrected them and said, no, God does not sucker punch you. God does not, the God of scripture doesn't hit you like that, Right. The Holy Spirit might convict you. He might discipline you because he loves you, right? The God of scripture is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice, right? We don't like to look at that part because, you know, the justice will come to those who, like in Psalm 107, reject him. The afflictions will come, all that stuff. Here's what I've learned, though, in the, in the last couple of years. Um you know what, your flesh, (laughs) your flesh, your human, your flesh, you're going to doubt at times in your faith, you will. But one thing I can tell you is that God knows that and he will always come through for his people, always. You know, and maybe some of us will be called to die for him, but regardless, we're all martyrs because we're all called called to be a witness for him. It's just, you know, how bright do you want your witness to be? You know, um, and so I would encourage you, get in the word of God, abide, abide in the Lord, pick up the Bible, read it, hang out with believers who are in the word. Honestly, I'll say this, and maybe some of you will hate me for it, but I'll say, look, if you're around Christians who aren't in God's word, get rid of those friends. I'm sorry. Just walk away. Say, I'm sorry. I'm going to go hang out with believers who are going to be in the word because I want to be close to people who are close to, to the word. If you're hanging out with people who aren't in the word, 
You're not helping them any. They're not helping you any. Come fellowship with people who are in the word. And that's going to be fewer and fewer. If you go to a church where they don't read the Bible or actually open it up and teach it, get out of there. Go somewhere else that they do. Okay. Because um, the word of God, people died so that you could have a copy of it. And I could have a copy of it. And having had to fight when I was a younger woman to get a copy of it myself to see what was in it, uh, I can tell you, having read the whole thing confidently now, I know I can say I've read the whole thing. There's so much in the Word of God that's never taught. <laughs> and there's so much in God's Word that's completely misrepresented that you should read it for yourself so that you know what's in it, right? Um, there are tough parts. But there's so much that's fun and it's easy to understand when you have the Holy Spirit who can teach you all these things. So think about that this week. Think about that question, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that I am? If Jesus showed up and said, poof, he, po he showed up in front of you and said, who do you say that I am? What's your response? That's the most important thing you need to worry about. You don't have to worry about what's going on in the world. He, he's got all taken care of. Worry about your walk with him more than anything. Because, you know, at any moment, your life could be over. And believe me, I don't say that lightly. Uh, part of the reason I'm in therapy is because I've had seven friends of mine die in the last year. You know, dealing with grief and loss, is, you know, it sucks, just so you know. And I, I know of seven people in the last year that have died. And most of them weren't expected to have died. <laughs> so I'm just saying... They all met Jesus after they died, whether or not some of them believed in him or not. That's, that's ultimately where they, you know, where they have to answer to. So anyway, don't forget, you can go over to BibleNewsRadio.com anytime if you want to support our work with a, uh, a tax-deductible donation. We also welcome that, too. That actually helps us do all the other stuff that we're currently doing. So go over there, BibleNewsRadio.com, and uh, check us out. We'll see you soon.